encourage you because I know there are some of you that are fasting uh, this week. And I'm just going to try to spend a little bit of time tonight maybe encouraging you uh, to fast. And uh, we'll start in Matthew chapter 4 and read uh, a very, I'm sure, a very familiar portion of Scripture. Uh, It's the temptation of the Lord. And uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And, uh, and so the devil didn't stop at that. Whenever the Lord responded back to him, uh, he came at him again in two other uh, areas. I won't uh, move into those uh, particular areas, but uh, just suffice it to say that, that fasting uh, is, is something that's kind of become a lost art. Uh, you don't hear very many people, uh, preachers, teachers, saints talking much about fasting and uh, it used to be kind of one of the hallmarks of one of the uh, things that a lot of older saints did in in the Pentecostal movement and uh, so I want to try to uh, spend some time encouraging you here tonight. When you look in the Bible, uh, generally speaking, uh, the standard pattern for fasting is 24 hours. It's a day. Uh, that's generally whenever you look in Scripture, uh, that's that's the general pattern that you find people uh, that spend time uh, fasting, <clears throat> and it's generally for one day. There were instances in the Bible where that a three-day fast uh, would take place, and then there's other instances where uh, that you find situations of a 21-day fast. Daniel uh, took part in that. And then there were a few times, and they were rare, uh, that there were times where that somebody would spend 40 days uh, fasting. And uh, obviously I would say that, that most of us, uh, if we were to fast for 40 days, it would be like a, a weight loss plan. And uh, when we got through on the other side of it, we would have lost a significant amount of weight. And uh, I do know some, some men that have, have spent time uh, fasting, and they have fasted for 40 days. And uh, a couple of them are friends of mine. And uh, <clears throat> one, of, one man lost 35 pounds on that 40-day fast, and all he, all he did was drink uh, water. And again, obviously, I'm not. These, both of these men are, are ministers. And uh, if you can, you can do that in, in this day, uh, generally, it's when you look scripturally, you find that there was something that was supernatural uh, that was involved in that uh, to help them to be able to fast for a 40-day period. And uh, we'll talk about some practical things before we're done uh, here tonight. But I would like for you to turn your Bibles to Joel chapter 2. And uh, I would like to read some verses there uh, in Joel chapter 2. 
Uh, we generally think about, when we, we think about Joel chapter 2, our mind uh, generally goes to, to 28 where it talks about uh, what's going to happen when the Spirit is poured out. Uh, but I would look like for you to look in your Bibles to uh, verse 12 of chapter 2. Uh, notice what, what the prophet says. He says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord uh, your God? Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, and gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go that the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore, they should, they, or wherefore should they say among the people where is thy God. And so this passage of Scripture here that, that Joel comes along is associated with, with mourning and with weeping. But notice what is in... Here, here's the key uh, to fasting right here, and it's in verse 12. It says, Turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting. And that's the part where that uh, sometimes fasting can be very challenging uh, because we uh, have a tendency for our hearts to be, uh, as James said, a little bit double-minded. Uh, but the prophet is calling. He's saying, I, I want you to, when, you, when you, you are involved in a fast, I want you to turn to me with all of your heart. Uh, and so we see right here that uh, fasting can be for a time of mourning. Uh, but I want to leave that thought behind, and now I want you to turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20, and this is kind of what I want to get into here tonight, is, is using fasting as a weapon. Fasting can be used as a weapon, uh, just like I believe that there's authority that comes to us whenever we, have, whenever we are praying. Uh, that there are things that can take place in our hearts and spirits whenever uh, we pray, especially uh, when we start praying in the Spirit. But you can uh, use fasting as a weapon to be able to help you uh, to overcome things. Look, look there uh, in verse 3. The Bible uh, says there, and I kind of give you a little bit of the, the uh, setting, uh, Jehoshaphat was concerned because there were some people that were coming against uh, Judah. And it says the children of verse 1, the children of Moab, Ammon, uh, and with them other beside the Ammonites, they came to Jehoshaphat to battle. 
And so he found himself in a place where he was being attacked. There, have you ever felt like there's a time in your life where you felt like you was under attack? That, that, a, that you were in a place where you just felt like things were coming against you? And look at what Jehoshaphat does. Look in verse, look in verse 3. The Bible says there, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And so he, he, he knows there's an attack coming. And so what we need to do is we need to fast. Now that seems a little odd because it seems to me like that if you're being attacked, then what do you do is you get your army together and say we've got to get our soldiers in the front line and we have to get them involved. But Jehoshaphat, notice something else where that it says there that he feared. Sometimes there will be faith, but there will also be fear at times. It's going to be mixed in places of faith. And don't be alarmed by that. Don't condemn yourself uh, whenever you have times where you feel like that there is fear. Uh, that is a part that, that you have things pulling at your minds like, Lord, how are you going to work this out? I don't see an easy solution. I don't see an easy answer. So we can approach the Lord sometimes in our fear just as much as we can approach Him in faith. We all like to approach the Lord with great faith to just believe that the Lord is just going to come through like He's always come through. But whenever you approach the Lord with a sense of fearfulness, it's in that moment where you start realizing that the victory does not depend on, on me. It does not depend, and I, I want to um, just, just kind of get this in your mind and in your spirit. It does not depend on my performance. Because we can get that in our minds. I can get that in my mind. I can start watching the clock whenever I'm trying to pray. And I can define it and say, okay, I hadn't had a prayer meeting unless I prayed for an hour. Or I hadn't fasted if I hadn't fasted for two days or three days. And, and you start letting your performance dictate what's taking place. Here's the key. Pray and fast. In your prayer, don't be a slave to the clock and in your fasting, don't be a slave to checking off how many meals you've missed. It's important that what you do is you start moving because you know this. As you start to pray, then you begin to learn how to pray. And as you fast, you begin to give yourself to literally that discipline of fasting. And so Jehoshaphat comes along and uh, he starts... Uh, he, he fears. So, so what does he do? He calls for a fast. Well, what happens? Look down in verse 12. He, he prays. He says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Again, you've been there before. Lord, how are you going to take care of this? I don't know. I, I know I'm I know I'm your child. I know you fill me with the Spirit, but I cannot see how you're going to take care of this. And so he prays. He prays for the deliverance of God. What happens? Look in verse 14. 
The Bible says, Then upon Jehazael, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, and he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. And you need to underline this in your Bible. For the battle is not yours but God's. That last phrase, that, that conjunction, but changes everything. Now, now, now again, I want you to pay attention to what happened there. The Bible says that a Levite stood up, the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he began to prophesy. Now, I will tell you this. You're getting right here in the Old Testament a picture of the supernatural working of the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament church. And whether you are aware of it or not, the gifts of the Spirit were operating in this service Sunday night in that altar service that we had, prayer meeting, altar service. I don't know what it was. It started as a prayer meeting. It ended up as an altar service. The gifts of the Spirit were actively operating in this church this past Sunday night, and the Lord took care of some needs in the lives and the hearts of people. And that's what we have to have. We've got to have this picture that you look at in the Old Testament to see, okay, here they are. They're in a frightening situation. The Lord calls them to fast, and then bang, all of a sudden, this Levite begins to prophesy and begins to intervene. That's why we've got to have a work of the Spirit. And so then look down in verse, uh, I did read 17, uh, let's, let's read in verse 17. It says, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Look at the response. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. That is what takes place. You, y'all, you, you know that. When, when there is a touch of the Lord and you get into that frame that then your petition all of a sudden turns into praise and to worship, we've all felt that. That, that. that once you get to that place, then you start realizing, you know what, the Lord is with us and the Lord is going to take care of the problem. Before they ever even went into the battle, there was worship that was coming out of uh, their, their, their mouths. Now, I want to encourage us here in, in verse 19. It says that they, be, they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. This, this, this sanctuary right here is three times the size of our old one. So what that means is, is we've got a way higher ceiling 
And what we've got to do is we've got to worship the Lord and we've got to lift our voices. We've got to stand up on our feet and we can't wait and watch everybody else to see what they're going to do. There's got to be a praise. There's got to be worship that begins to come out of our hearts and out of our spirits. Now, here, here is that part where the, you see uh, that, that no commander would send his outmanned army into battle on empty stomachs, but when they fasted and they began to see direction of the Lord, then the Lord began to take care of that. Now, I'm going to ask you here tonight, and don't answer out loud, okay? But what battles are you facing in your life right now that seem to be overwhelming to you? And I think all of us, if we were honest with ourselves, we would have to say that there are things that we're battling and chat that are challenging us. But, but I want to encourage you to spend some time fasting. Because if you mix fasting and prayer, then what happens is fasting mixed with prayer becomes a weapon that the Lord is able to use and all of a sudden you step back and the battle is not yours anymore. The battle is, is it, it belongs uh, to the Lord. Um, and, and I mentioned I kind of jumped the gun a little bit fast and generally uh, is defined as abstaining from food for spiritual purposes for a particular period of time, 24 hours, three days, seven days, 21 days, 40 days. And, uh, and you, you I, I would just say a good plan is this, is fast one day a week, once a quarter go on a three-day fast, and once a year take a shot at a seven-day fast. And, and again, I, I know there's a lot of different, but, but your, the fast, is, it's not my fast, it's not somebody else's fast. It's your fast. So you make that fast whatever you choose that fast to be. But I, I, I know I hear people say sometimes they're going on a, a social media fast. Okay? And, and you can go on a social media fast, but a social media fast is probably not going to make you hungry. So whenever you, you stop eating food, then that's when you start realizing, hey, I, I'm, I'm making, some, making some headway. Um, and so biblical fasting taught uh, by the Lord. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 6 and look with me for a moment in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and beginning in verse 1. I'm, I'm not going to read all of that, uh, but in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, uh, here is what you see the Lord talking about. He says in verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Look there in verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. And then look down uh, to verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Now, notice what the Lord does when He's speaking to His disciples. Now, now the Sermon on the Mount is for us. We are disciples. Now, He was talking to first century disciples. He was talking to 21st century disciples. Notice what He does. He ties up 
the giving of alms or the giving of offerings. And he, he mixes that with giving alms, prayer, and fasting. And he mixes those three together. And then what he gets at is the Lord starts getting at is what is our motive? What's your motive for giving? What's your motive for praying? What is your motive for fasting? And it's important that we understand that as we give ourselves to worship of God that we need to make sure that our motives are what the Lord wants them to be. And I will tell you, Christian maturity, as you go along, uh, you will be more concerned about your motive than you are the results as you, get, as, you, as you have spiritual maturity to take place in your life. Now, when you're young, you're looking for results. You want, you want that big, you want the big splash. You want the big thing to take place. But as you get more mature in the Lord, you're not so much concerned with the results as you are the motives. But I can tell you this, the purer the motives are, the greater the results are. And so biblical fasting, whenever he, when the Lord talks about it, uh, it, again, was regularly practiced by the disciples. It was practiced by uh, his disciples. Mark chapter 2, let's turn over there uh, for just a moment. Mark chapter 2, and look with me in verse 18. The Bible says, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto him, Can the children of the bridegroom or the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And so they were asking the Lord, Lord, why aren't your disciples fasting? And the Lord's response was, was because right now the bridegroom is here. And when the bridegroom's here, when you know you're at a wedding, I mean the last thing, now maybe the bride's family wants you to do this, but I mean if we have a wedding, boy, everybody's going to go to the reception and they're going to eat everything in sight. Now the bride's family may not want you eating everything in sight, but y'all, you understand, it's, it's kind of like it's an it's a exciting moment. And the Lord was saying, when the bridegroom is gone, it's at that moment then the disciples will begin to fast. And we see that uh, it was practiced by the early church in Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. And it was practiced, you see it again, in Acts chapter 14, verses 21 uh, through 23. There's something else that you also see. And here is where we see the weapon of fasting is connected to a battle whenever there's an enemy that's coming against them. And then whenever we look to Daniel chapter 10, and we went through this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to belabor the point there, but in Daniel chapter 10, the Bible says that Daniel fasted for 21 days. What was he looking for? He was looking for revelation. And so there was a part where that whenever he was looking, you can use fasting as a weapon to come against the enemy, but you can also use 
fasting as a sense of revelation so that the Lord brings answers to you. And you remember what the Bible says, that there was a mighty angel that whenever uh, he finally did get to Daniel, he said, look, he said, I've been battling the prince of Persia. He said the answer was on the way, but it was impeded because there was a battle that was taking place. Daniel didn't know that. But what Daniel did was he continued to fast. And so biblical fasting is a, is, a, is a demonstration of humility because Jehoshaphat was faced with enemies that he could not overcome. Daniel was pleading and interceding for uh, the children of Israel uh, while they were under Persian rule. And, uh, and he, he just says, Lord, I, you've got to help me to understand. Now, I'm going to jump the gun just a little bit. This is a little bit further down in, in the lesson, but I want to encourage you here tonight to, to fast with a sense of discipline because if the only time that you ever fast is out of crisis, it's going to be very difficult because you're already starting down. Okay? You're already in a place of discouragement. You're already in a place where you're like you're trying to claw your way up. And so whenever you can put down in your life, that just like we know, we're going to have prayer revival at the first of every month. I hope we're praying more than just what we're praying here. Okay, But you, you need to put the same emphasis on fasting that there's times where that you fast because biblical fasting is a demonstration of humility. There's an awareness that, that we cannot depend on bread alone. And, and I would just tell you this, that whenever Jesus was fasting, uh, there was a part where that as the God-man, he was fully God, fully man, the God didn't need to fast. It was the flesh. And that's the purpose is that whenever we give ourselves to fasting, then the Lord can speak to us during that time. What more graphic way to confront the futility of human power than to experience in your flesh weakness and hunger? Y'all get hungry when you fast? Okay. That's, that's part of the purpose of it, is that when you, when you get, and, and our, I, I just, our lives revolve around food in America. Now, my brother-in-law, uh, there was a, a man that pastored the church uh, over in, um, I think it was in Cluj, Brother Steve, and uh, Brother Steve would go on 40-day fast. He just fast for 40 days. And I used to think, oh my goodness, why in the world? How in the world? That guy fasts for 40 days. And then my brother-in-law started telling me about their, their diet. Just a bunch of potatoes and a bunch of rice and, I mean, just stuff that you sit down and you're like, man, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, can, I can do without this. When I was a kid, my mom and dad used to make me eat turnips and butter beans and and collards and rutabagas. I used to hate that stuff. And I <laughs> I still remember this. I, I would I'd knock it off the edge of my plate and I'd put it up under the plate so I thought they couldn't see it. But 
anyways, when you pick up the plate, around the plate there was a, a you know, there was the food that was around the, around the plate. Well, if that's all you had to eat, then you'll, I, I could do a 40-day fast. But, but between me and my house, from, from, from the time I leave the church and get around to my turnoff, there, there is a, it's like at every intersection, there are fast food restaurants. And, and, and there are billboards. And when you start saying, I'm going to fast, all of a sudden, every bit of that starts popping up. Billboards, I, I can tell you this too as well. If you take an extended fast, you will dream about food. How many of y'all have experienced that? Okay. I'm telling there's been times where I, I was on a time where I, I mean, you would dream about food. And, 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 and so here in America, it is a challenge sometimes for you uh, to, to fast. And I, I don't know how it is at, at your job. It's not like that at my job now. But whenever I used to work at the hospital, Sister Brooke is right. Every rep, every person that comes through there, they have got Chick-fil-A biscuits. Uh, they're, they're running everything through there to get you to eat because they want you to use their products. Now, they've kind of reined it in a little bit from what it used to be, but I worked in the hospital before uh, all of the um, regulations got a hold of it, and I mean literally every single day there were people that were bringing things in uh, for us to eat, donuts and all that, and you're, you're just... There's, so our society in America revolves around eating. And I can just also tell you this, it, it's challenging to fast through the holidays. It's very difficult to fast during, from you get to Thanksgiving until the beginning of the new year. It is difficult to fast during, during that period of time. I, I want to throw this out. You say, a 40-day fast. How in the world are you going a 40-day fast? Well, just think with me for a moment. If you determine to fast one day a week, and we're in the first week, and you determine, I'm going to fast one day a week for, for the rest of the year. Just think about this. If you miss 12 weeks, you still have fasted 40 days because you have made a determination to say, I'm going to fast, I'm going to discipline myself uh, toward, toward fasting. I would also tell you this, that, that it, what, what more appropriate way for us to understand and discover God's strength? Because I, I will tell you, when you start fasting uh, and you start praying, there are ways that the Lord starts talking to you while you are in that place of fasting. I put some things in here I want to just kind of share with you. Uh, here, There was a, I've been reading a book, in fact, the it's down at the bottom there, a book written by Gordon Dalby uh, called No Small Snakes. And he, he was a uh, missionary and tells about some of his experiences, uh, spirit-filled. And um, he, he very early on started making a determination. He got hanging around with some other uh, Pentecostal uh, missionaries 
and started making a determination that he was going to fast. And uh, he started just, you know, saying, when you start fasting, you're going to get hungry. And so he had one of the missionaries to tell him, when you get hungry like that, drink a big glass of water. And so he started doing that. I just encourage you to do that, that when it hits and you're like, oh, my Lord, I, I, I've only been fasting now for six hours. I've still got 18 more to go. Is to drink some water because what that water does is that water will help you uh, in that. Then he started stretching it into one day and then to two days and then three days and then seven days. And he went on to where that he was fasting for uh, occasionally during, during the year, uh, a seven-day fast, and he talked about it having a significant impact uh, on, his, on his ministry. He also noted that during that period of time uh, that what he started doing was he started keeping a prayer journal and started writing down insights that as he was involved in various situations that he started writing things down uh, that, that would take place. One of the things that, that he noticed was that uh, he, he had to see, he was able to see where that pride was actively went into a place and there was a man that was teaching there. And uh, during the intermission, the man stepped outside and this, this man stepped out there, uh, Gordon Dalby stepped out and uh, was there. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, the Lord just showed him that, that, that this guy is, is needing some, some prayer. And uh, he said he started sensing that there was a, 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 a matter of pride. And so he goes over and starts talking to the man. And the man, you know, confesses that, you know, I do have some issues and I want you to pray for me. And, uh, and so he did. And, uh, and they, they kept up for a little bit, but then after a period of years, uh, the man fell by the wayside, and at the core of the problem was, was there was a matter of pride. Um, there was another time where that he started realizing he was being very judgmental uh, toward another person. And so as he was fasting, the Lord started talking to him and saying, look, he said, you, you, you've got some issues about being judgmental toward other people. Now, you could say, well, you know, that doesn't matter. We're all judgmental and whatever. But, but remember what Paul said. Paul said that the goal is for us to be conformed in the image of Christ. That's what he said to the Galatians. He said, until Christ be formed in you. I'm going to tell you something. Being a saint is a hard, hard job. It's, it's difficult. And as you start praying and fasting, then the next thing the Lord's going to start bringing things to your heart and your spirit, and you're like, oh, my Lord, I don't know if I want to do this fasting. Yes, you do. You, you, want, you, want to be, you want to give yourself to prayer and to fasting. Why? It's because it makes you a more effective disciple. You want authority in your prayer? You want to be able to walk up and to pray for somebody? Or walk up to somebody and they're, they're struggling and be able to just start marching through the Scripture to help them in a way? 
We, 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 we are, to a certain degree, physicians of the soul, all of us. And there's times where that the Lord wants to use us. And yet because of all of the clamor and all the voices and all the challenges that because our flesh is not crucified, then our ability to be used by God is, is very much hindered. Does that mean you're lost? No, it doesn't mean you're lost. But I'll tell you this, it means that when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, that there very well may be great regret that we have because we look back and we think, Lord, I could have been so much more. I could, I could have been so much more for you if I would have submitted myself to prayer and to fasting. He also learned that through fasting that as an intercessor that sometimes that the Lord would help him to bear some of the pain and feel some of the challenges that other people were facing. What's that called? That's called compassion. And I, I know there's times where that we, we may fall into the trap saying, well, they got their sales in that particular spot and you know, they have a responsibility and so on, but, but when you hadn't walked a mile in their moccasins, it's easy to stand back and to say, yeah, I tell you, they should have done this or should have done that or should have done the other. But by prayer and fasting, what does the Lord do? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Touched by the feeling of their infirmities. And I will tell you this, it will energize you here in these altars praying for other people if you can feel some of the infirmities that they're feeling. I'll tell you what, it'll move you to tears whenever you get up and you start praying for people in the, in, in the altar whatever their need may be, that if you're in a place of spiritual sensitivity, that you begin to feel the burden of where they're at and the challenges that they're facing there in their lives. And uh, if you begin to fast, the Lord will help you to be touched by the challenges of the brokenness sometimes that others faced. Another example that he, he used that he was in a place, he was overseas, and uh, he was in a, a country, he was in Norway. And uh, whenever he got over there, he started just trying to encourage and to inspire worship. But he found himself being faced with skepticism and unbelief. And so what he started doing was he started praying against those spirits and asked that. He said, Lord, he said, I want their unbelief and skepticism to be replaced with humility and faith and trust. And the Lord used that opportunity at that time to help him to be able to minister to that congregation. I believe that all of us ought to understand our need for fasting. Sometimes the Lord will help us to see the workings of the enemy to touch warriors just enough to get their attention and call us into action. And that's where you find yourself dropped into a crisis. And trust me, I'd say I'm, I'm going to blame this on Brother Patterson and say I've learned it from him. But there's a, there's a few times that some of the best things in the world that can happen to people that starts to drift is the Lord to visit them with a crisis. 
Lord, put your hand on their, on their job. Lord, put your hand on their finances. Lord, put your hand on their body. What does that do? Man, they'll come running. Y'all, everybody, are you okay with that? You, you, you understand where I'm... Sometimes our greatest moments of trouble are the times where we have the most spiritual growth. Richard Foster wrote a book 30 years ago now called The Celebration of Discipline. Here's what he said. He said, more than any other single discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear. If they are within us, they will surface during our times of fasting. Now, I added some things to that list. Uh, if you're fasting, the Lord will reveal to you spiritual apathy, lethargy. He will reveal to you legalism, judgmentalism, self-righteousness, competitiveness, manipulation, jealousy, envy. He'll start revealing those things to you when you start fasting. And you say, why is the Lord revealing those things to me while I'm fasting? Because you remember what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? That fasting ultimately is to reveal what our motives are. And so whenever the Lord begins to reveal our motives to us, it's in those times that we start saying, Lord, I, 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 I want to be like you. But remember this. Uh, the Lord was crucified. His back was beaten. He was spit on. He was mocked. And that sometimes puts us in a difficult spot because a lot, I won't say you, but I'll just say for myself that there's a lot of times I don't want to be in that, in that particular mindset. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 for a moment. This is a familiar uh, scripture I believe to, to most of you uh, but Paul talks about the struggle uh, that goes on Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 here's what he says he says for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. There, there, there is a direct opposition that exists between the Spirit and the carnal nature of man. And here's what happens. Whenever you start fasting, then the Lord starts dealing with the stubborn self-will of the soul and he starts dealing with the self-gratifying appetites of our bodies. And we all are, to a certain degree, stubborn. I want to say that again. We all, to a certain degree, are pretty stubborn. And I would also say this as well. Our bodies, even though they, they, they still want to be gratified, and so whenever we practice fasting, soul and body are brought under the power of the Spirit. And once those barriers are broken down, then we're, much more able, we're able to be much more fruitful in the realm of the Spirit. Now let me give you some just practical things 
uh, about fasting, uh, some specific instructions. Start with a sense of faith. Believe that whenever you start fasting, that the Lord is going to, uh, in, in fact, there's a promise. The Lord is going to reward those people that fast. Uh, and, and again, it's not just for preachers. Fasting is for disciples. Fasting is for all of us. I realize that, that ministers have a higher responsibility, uh, maybe for extended fast, uh, but all of us are called to fast. Uh, the second thing is, is understand that the word stresses a need for regular fasting. It's just like it calls for regular prayer. There's a need for us to fast on a regular basis. I've mentioned this, I'll just kind of, again, but don't wait for a crisis in life to move you toward a fast. Here's a big thing. Don't decide you're going to go on a seven-day fast if you've never fasted for a day. Because if you set the goal too high, then you're going to be defeated and you're going to throw in, you're going to like, I, I, can't, I can't do this anyway. So skip, start with a meal. Fast breakfast. Fast lunch, fast supper, and then move into fasting uh, a day. Here's something else that's important that, that I have to say that there have been times where I probably have neglected this, but during that fast, give time to Bible study. If you're able, read portions of Scripture before you pray. The Psalms are very good for that. You realize that the Psalms are filled with prayers, praises, and confessions. And if you use the Psalms, the Psalms can be very effective toward drawing you closer uh, to the Lord. Here's something else that, that I learned, um, and I'll tell you the book that I learned it. Uh, Elmer Towns wrote a book called Fasting for Spiritual Breakthrough. If you just decide, hey, I, I'm going to fast, and you don't have a purpose for your fasting, you, you begin to, you, you don't have as much energy or inertia or commitment too fast. And, and what, what Elmer Towns recommended in his book was, he said that if you have a purpose for fasting, then you're going to be encouraged to, to see the Lord working that out. So what do you do? You write down some things. And, and you say, well, I'm not just going to fast, but there are some spiritual needs that I have in my life. I want the gifts of the Spirit operating in my life. I want the fruit of the Spirit operating in my life. I want the Lord to help me with, with worship. I want the Lord to help me not to be fearful whenever I start witnessing. I want the Lord to help me to have a boldness so that whenever I'm in some place, that if I, I feel the, the, the conviction of the Spirit that says, go witness to that particular person, then, then you don't stand there like, oh, I wonder if this is the Lord. If it's, but there's a part where you just walk up and say, hey, you know, I'm, you know um, that those are things, consider your own spiritual needs, the needs of your family, the needs of our local church, the needs of our nation, and the needs of our world. Now here's something that the Lord got to. He said, be careful about flashiness and boasting 
uh, whenever you're fasting. We need to seek to be as normal as we possibly can. That means wipe your face, brush your teeth, comb your hair. Don't put on sackcloth and ashes and walk around and flinging ashes up in the air and, oh, I'm fasting, I'm fasting, I'm fasting, okay? Oh, I'm about to die. It's been four hours since I've had something to eat, okay? That, that's, not the, that's not the right way to fast. Um, and, and this, always keep a check on your motives. I want you to turn back with me real quickly to Isaiah 58. This, this chapter right here is probably the classic passage uh, that really breaks down fasting <coughs> in the entire Bible. Um, and it really starts, it's actually Isaiah 58 verses 1 through 12. But, but notice here in verse 5, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under, under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the, to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? And then he starts talking about here are some purposes. To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to deal bread to the hungry? to bring the poor that have been cast out of the house to those that you see naked to cover them and that thou hide not thyself from your own flesh. Okay, and then there's a promise. The promise starts in verse 8. Then your light's going to break forth as a morning and your health shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy, re- shall be thy reward. Now let's talk about some physical aspects uh, of fasting. It's important for you to take care of your body while you're fasting. This fast is yours. If you just want to go with water, or if you want to drink fruit juices, that, that's up to you. This fast belongs to you. Now, one of the reasons that we start having headaches and sometimes dizziness and nausea is because our, our whole diet is driven by sugar and caffeine and all these stimulants. And when you start fasting, you're going to get a headache. You're going to have some physical symptoms that are going to be there. And you're like, oh, my Lord, I can't fast. No, you can fast. What's taking place is, is your body is telling you, hey, some of this stuff is probably not good for us. Now, throw this in. If you're on regular medication, it's important for you to seek medical advice, especially if you're diabetic and if you're taking insulin or if you're taking an oral hypoglycemic, it's important for you to be aware of what takes place when you don't eat if you continue to take those things. Okay? So that's a, that's a disclaimer. So pay, pay attention to, to that. Um, let's talk again about the unpleasant physical symptoms. Uh, don't let the physical discomfort deter you. Set your face, Ezekiel 4 and 3, and go on with that plan fast. And I mentioned earlier that, that sometimes that you can feel like you're hungry. Get you, get you some water. 
and drink you a, a large glass of water. And what that does is that helps you to kind of get over the hump. And what would happen to you? Let's all stand. What would happen to you if in 2020, I know there's a lot of preachers playing off of this about having 2020 vision, but what would happen to you if you made a commitment tonight on this first Wednesday night, second Wednesday night of 2020, that if you made a commitment that you were going to fast for the rest of well, not for the rest of the year. You, you know what I'm saying. You make a commitment that you're going to fast a day. You're going on a three-day fast. That you're going to do that sometime before. What, where, where would your spiritual walk be at the end of the year? There, there, there are struggles that you're dealing with right now. They would be gone. You, you, you would get rid of some of the things, the turmoil of heart and spirit, and life, you would get rid of those things if you would make a commitment to use fasting as a weapon. And again, I just want to encourage you. It's not easy, but the Lord can help us to do that. Because I tell you what I want. I want the Lord to work in my life. I want to have spiritual strength and authority in my life. But you know what? I don't want it just for me. I want it for you as well. I want you coming and telling me and Brother Patterson, Brother, you, you wouldn't believe what happened. I went in there and all of a sudden it's just like the Lord just started revealing things to me and I was helping people and I was ministering to them and the Lord was using me. That's not too far-fetched. Now can I say this statement that y'all are probably already tired of me saying to you? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And so if you've never fasted, I just want to encourage you tonight to think seriously about what the Lord has called us to do and for us to spend some time in 2020 fasting. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord here tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your spirit. And I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that this, Lord, this Bible study, God, about fasting, we know, Lord, that you can use us. We know, Lord, that your spirit is able to help us. And I'm asking you, Lord, tonight to let your will, God, mesh with our will. Help us, Lord, to make a commitment, Lord, to fast so that you're going to be able to help us God, to be able to advance your gospel and your cause. I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that you meet every need, Lord, that's in this congregation. I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that you would prosper, Lord, our souls, prosper our bodies. Lord, prosper this church. But I pray, Lord, most of all, that that would be in spiritual matters and that you would help us, God, to fulfill, Lord, your commission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.